Welcome, 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 everybody, to another edition of the Geeks in Suits podcast. I am Chase Gerber, and joining me, the weasel to my Deadpool, my brother Ben. <laughs> ben, what's happening? What's up, champ? Oh, not too much. Uh, you sound tired. Yes, I am very tired. It's actually very nice to uh, be in peace and quiet right now, where there isn't a million students screaming so loud that I can't hear myself talk. It's very uh, refreshing. I, I bet, yeah. That's... Um, yeah, so uh, just got done broadcasting Malone and Walsh. Unfortunately, Malone lost their ninth straight game to Walsh. Um, Dang. Which means that in my college life, my college life will not live long enough to see Malone beat Walsh. One uh, time? In basketball. Nope, not one time. Oh, God. So that's a little depressing, but it's okay. Love this those was, guys to death. Was that Jason and Neil's last game? Yep, last game. Didn't uh, make the tournament. So, uh, shout out to them boys. Shout out to, shout out to our Gave it a great effort, though. Uh, they were in it. Uh, kind of got out of hand near the end, but it was a good game. Cool, cool. Uh, so, anyways, let's uh, let's get to talking about the album we've been waiting Woo! about. What is it? About <laughs> a week to talk about. It's been two weeks since it came out. Has actually. it been two weeks since it came out, man? Yeah. Life of Pablo. Yes, uh, Kanye's it, latest still, album. It's st- I don't. Th- it's still not in its final form, from what it sounds like. Right. We'll is see. it? Is it still on title exclusively? It's not on title anymore. It got pulled, and when. They sold tickets to this thing for the for Kanye's fashion show or whatever. It was supposed to come with like uh, an exclusive, like either like download link or like free setup to get the album. And the people who have those have said that they haven't gotten anything yet. And some people have purchased it from Title and it wouldn't download. And when they've contacted customer service about this stuff, they've said, well, what's out there now isn't the final version. That's what Title's saying. That's what the company's saying. So it seems like something else is coming yet. I don't know if it's going to be more mastered or if it's a different song setup, but I don't. It, it doesn't seem like it's over yet still. So it's... That's absurd. It's, it's so weird. And this is actually something I wanted to bring up and just like mention, just... In general, it's been really, it's been an interesting time lately to see the different ways artists are pushing their product or promoting it. Um, I know you and Yanni talked a few weeks ago about how Rihanna's was coming out with this new album and suddenly it got leaked on Tidal and it was out. Mm-hmm. And it was there and, and there's no way you can pull it back in this day and age with the, you know, technology we have nowadays and everything so it just leaked and then you have someone like Beyonce who she released a song a new song the day before the Super Bowl and has the audacity then to go and perform it the very next day at the Super Bowl halftime performance I thought that's really bold and and different and then you have Mr. West who has just been doing a number of different things, whether it's through Twitter and through this this show he put on. Um, I don't I don't know. I just find it entertaining how all these artists, through you know the advanced technology we have nowadays, are doing. Everyone's doing something different, whether it's <laughs> on purpose and and by direction or not. I think it's I think it's fun to watch. Yeah, well, that's just how the music industry has really become with all these streaming services. There's not really a set way to do it anymore. No, usually, you know, you put, like, you know, back when, like, we were youngins, it was, you know, you put some commercials out and you make a single or two that gets on the radio and and that's supposed to give enough attention that people will will give you that and... and Mm -hmm buy an album or something but i mean now it's just it's a free-for-all and it's it's kind of fun actually right um yeah it's i mean i have no idea what kanye is doing uh he said that it will only be released on title forever which i think we both agree there's no way that's happening no no there's no way they said that uh titles subscriptions like doubled last week but (laughs) again if 
you, you you're gonna have to put it on Apple. You're gonna have to put it on on Spotify and other places like that for for normal people who aren't paying attention to what every single tweet comes out that is of Kanye's. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna have to be able to hear the airwaves in some normal standard way. Yeah, I want to know what kind of insane empty promises is title making to all these artists that's that's making them be exclusively like title releases like what could they possibly be promising all these artists that make them want to go yeah it's it's got to be just title see i don't know because i just saw that they signed ti too man yeah. Title's taking over the world, man. It's a conspiracy. I don't. I don't think it's a taking. It's over like the, the Calipari world experience of music. <laughs> They're just like recruiting, illegal recruiting. Yeah, illegal recruiting. <laughs> I don't know if there's any laws about recruiting in the music industry, though. But uh, no, it is. It's it's interesting. I think the appeal probably is not about the streaming service itself, but probably because I I don't know if signing to title automatically gets you an in with Jay-Z's Rock Nation too and you get set up with you know shows and a tour and that's really where artists make their money nowadays they don't make money from selling the albums they make them from touring so I don't know if that's the appeal Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's kind of interesting to think about how it it seems like big name artists are really behind it, and it it's got to come down to money either way, right? Which is yeah, it has to come down to money. Which title charges a lot of money for you know the unlimited streaming service? Isn't it twenty bucks? It, I believe it's twenty seven. Oh wow! Like twenty twenty five bucks a month or something ridiculous. I and like I can't imagine paying that much like. I only have Spotify Premium because I got a three months one dollar each like offer. Oh, uh, really? Like just kind of pop up. That's the only reason I have Spotify Premium. Other other than that, I wouldn't be paying ten bucks a month for it. Yeah. See, I have a steady job and everything now, and I'm out of college, and I, I'll <laughs> bite I'll bite the bullet for ten bucks a month. It's I'm yeah, totally fine I'm with sure, it. Uh, sure, at some point in time, I'll I'll learn that I need Spotify Premium. It's uh, definitely once I worth, don't have it anymore. It's definitely worth 120 bucks a year. I mean, that's it's yeah, it's not that much when you add it up. Eh, yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> we'll cross that road when we come to it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, so let's let's uh, talk about the album and just like everything that's been surrounding it a little bit. Yeah. So it's been a little ridiculous. Um, for for instance, apparently Kanye has been tweeting he's like fifty million dollars in debt, and he wants Mark Zuckerberg to give him a billion dollars. He has never been this vocal on Twitter, and I I am a self confessed Kanye apologist, and I just I I don't care what he's saying or doing. I am at least gonna find it probably pretty interesting. So these things he's saying, I like I get excited every time a Twitter storm comes around because it's just it's it's entertaining to me in the most basic ways, not even from a standpoint that I like him. Um but that the thing about all of this, whether it's the the Twitter stuff or his like big show he put on and like Kanye's done things like that show before for lead ups to an album. Like you remember back in the day when he came out with his first few albums, he had that blog that he, I mean, that's way back in the day. He had a blog where he'd, you know, he'd post all kinds of different things about uh, art and fashion and just like things he liked, but he'd also keep people updated about like the progress on albums that he's making and stuff like that. And uh, before he came out with, my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He made this weird short film that used all the music from the album. Um, before Yeezus, there was like a guerrilla advertising campaign where he like promoted the album by like displaying him like rapping some of the songs against like brick buildings and stuff like that. So like when I heard about this, it wasn't surprising to me that this kind of thing was happening. And... The show itself, it felt like you were listening to, like, a friend's music that he created 
like in his basement, but instead it was inside a huge arena. Because you had this like fat. Did you watch any of it? I turned it on for like a minute because I was like, oh, I might as well listen to the new album. I'm not doing okay. anything. And then I see like these, all these people standing on the stage in weird poses, standing yeah. completely still. And it seemed like very cult like. And I'm just like, uh, oh. Okay, is, am I like watching the right thing now? Did you did you look at the uh, the list of like directions that the the uh, models like had to pay attention to or like had to do? No, I didn't know about this. I thought they standing completely still for the whole thing. Oh my gosh, I I checked out the list and there were things like do not make eye contact with anyone, don't bob your head, don't sway, don't act or act like no one else is around, like just. And and the list went on and on and on, and it was really weird. And and the whole stage presence of the the models was was eerie and and strange. And it was in this giant arena and had this sense of grandiose, but at the same time, Kanye West was playing his new music on his iPhone, through an aux cord, and was like passing it around to other people to like play their stuff by the end of the show. And it just felt so weird because here's, you know, a a big name artist who's putting on this grand show, but you're still like watching him just like use the same kind of chords we use to change like music in our car or something. And it was just, I don't know. It was really strange. Um, But with all of that, for the first time, when I've been in like in the lead up to a Kanye West album, I feel like all this stuff has almost overpowered the music because his eccentric persona, whether it's been through Twitter or things he said, it's overtaking his music. And I think that's what I'm kind of annoyed at. Mm-hmm. from him besides the fact he's said some really off the cuff things in his new album and stuff and we'll talk about that later but like it's it always can't used to come back around to it was about the album he was making and when the when the music finally dropped when it was finally out in stores that was kind of like everyone went silent and knew. it was like when the lights go down in a movie and everyone knew, knew okay now it's time to pay attention and really listen to what's going on only it might not be because apparently this isn't the final album. Right. And that's the other thing. It's like, are we like watching a guy in public put together his album? Like, is this what the process is? And Kanye's a crazier artist than most, than most artists in the industry. But still, we're like almost seeing him like test it and figure out what's working and what isn't working. Because the album itself, it, it felt rushed, didn't it? Yeah, um, I, like, the first time I heard about him even coming out with a new album was, like, I don't know, mid-January? Yeah, that's when he tweeted it's coming out. And it It literally got released, like, a month later? Yeah. Which is very strange. Well, I mean, and you saw, when the show premiered, it was supposed to drop that same day. But it hadn't been mastered yet. It hadn't been finished. It was, I don't want to call it sloppy, but it was just like very rushed to, to get it out. Because after that show, everyone was just like hype and, and wanted it right away and couldn't, couldn't stand it anymore. Well, he didn't even have a name for it until the day it was quote unquote released. The, yeah. Or yeah, was it? Was it the day of or like the day before? It was either, I think it was either the day of or the day before. I remember, um, googling the day that the fashion show was what is Kanye West's newest album going to be called and that's how I find out that it was Life of Pablo which made me go who's this Pablo we're talking about like I assume it's Pablo Escobar would be my guess but like I have no idea well from what I've looked into it I think it's actually is it Picasso well, see, there's all kinds of theories, but Pablo is Spanish for Paul. 
And a lot of people think it could be in reference to the Apostle Paul from the oh, Bible. More That's biblical it. references. <laughs> right. And the album itself, I guess I'll go into this part now because this is, this is what I think about the album and what it's trying to say. The album itself is supposed to have a gospel element to it, and you can definitely tell that through the first like one and a half songs through Ultralight Beam. It's I feel like Ultralight Beam, it's it's the most important song on the album because it sets that, that gospel kind of tone. But throughout the rest of the album, you you have those elements like you have the choirs of Ultralight Beam and there's some of it in Father Stretch My Hands and Waves. There's piano chords of it and low lights, highlights, real friends. And there's melodies that feel like a choir almost in like Fade, Famous, Father. It really has that like gospel feel at times. But then Kanye West proceeds to say some really strange things about mm-hmm. bleached body parts, um, other body parts having GoPro, um, having something sex, about Taylor Swift, having sex with Taylor her, Swift, making her famous. Yeah, and at least the way I interpret this is, it's a ref- the the whole album's a reflection of his life right now, because he is he, he's struggling to be a father, a faithful husband. Um, I guess you'd call it a man of God, because his ego slash celebrity self keeps sabotaging himself. And that's why you have those sporadic bursts of weird slash corny slash abrasive and gross lyrics saying those things. It's like he's having his, his weirdness come out in the most inopportune moments. Like the beginning of father stretch my hands is one of the most beautiful openings to a song I think I've ever... It's like one of my favorite openings to a song ever. With Kid Cudi in the, in the chorus and everything. That's the best use of Kid Cudi since Man on the Moon 2, by the way. Mm-hmm. That was... I love, I love that moment. Kid Cudi hasn't done anything better since, since that moment. Totally agree. And then the very first lines of the... That, that Kanye say, the first time he raps, basically, in the whole album is talking about bleached body parts. And it's like... <laughs> This is so jarring and weird. Why do you, why'd you ruin it? And like I can't get the lyric out of my head obviously now and it's it's hilarious. But it's it's those things that just make the album feel just like where did that came out of left field so much? Mhm. So as far as the album content itself like I don't know. I don't get it. It's weird. It is, and I it's... think, I think its weirdness again is supposed to reflect his life because, like, do, don't you feel like the album as a whole? Like, I like the individual songs. Like, if I just listen to each one individually, I'm like, yeah, that's a, at least an okay song, most of them. Um, but, or maybe you don't feel the same way. I mean, there's, I think, maybe three songs that I might listen to on a regular basis. Uh, okay. I thought the like I thought the most of the like um musically like just from a like the beats that he uses in his songs I thought they were really good but yes the lyrics were just not they turned it they turned the whole album off for me I guess it's it's yeah it's just real off the handle and the it, it it's format it's like it's not a coherent feel to the whole album. It doesn't feel like each song flows into the next one. Like one of the strongest parts of 808s, that album was it had such a a tone that transitioned from song to song. Like oh, it had, absolutely, yeah. That's that's one of his best in terms of like knowing what the tone of the entire album is. This one, it's all over the place. And I think it reflects his life right now because he's trying to be an artist. He's trying to make music. He's trying to make clothing. He's trying to be a father. He's trying to be a faithful husband. Like, 
I feel like all that stuff's supposed to be representative of his of his entire life and how he's just scrambled. Like, look what he's doing on Twitter right now. The guy clear clearly is like having a breakdown at certain points, you know. Yeah, is maybe that's like the silver lining that most people aren't understanding. Like, it seems like he is having like some sort of mental breakdown. Yeah, I mean, and I think that album reflects it because this thing is all over the place. Yeah, Uh, and and. I don't think that makes for perfect for a perfect album, and I think that's why you and I think a lot of other people feel like, man, this just doesn't feel like complete, or it's just not very easy listening. Definitely not. And um, my response to that is, Kanye West knows he can make a perfect album, and we know he can make a perfect album because we saw what he did with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He's not interested in doing that every time, though. That's that's not his shtick. He's gonna make what he is what he is feeling. That's why I interpret him as a, a real artist, is because he goes off of whatever, you know, he feels at that point. He's not making an album to please other people. My yeah. beautiful my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was the one exception to that. And it's his best album, at least in my opinion. Huh. That's interesting. Um it feels to me like Kanye like, clearly he's an artist and, you know, lyrical genius and all the other terms that he gives himself, most of them are actually true. Yeah. It feels like he's trying to be, like, too unique at this point. Kind of like how... Um, you could say that about Yeezus, too. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, the way... Like, Tim Burton is a filmmaker. Like, everyone praises, like, his stuff is kind of weird, but in a way it's, like, really beautiful and stuff. Yeah. But then he has, like, these films that are... Just take it to a whole new level because it's like they're trying to be too weird. Yeah. And it feels like what that's what Kanye's doing with this album, in my opinion. I Yeah, I, I'd agree. He is... He's trying to go... Well... He just keeps going to a weirder and weirder place. Through his last two albums, you can really see it. Mm-hmm. And sonically, Yeezus and Life of Pablo are completely different, I think. Yeezus was so stripped down and minimal um, instrumentally, and I feel like the Life of Pablo is the very opposite, very active and involved sound, frequently like changing beats in the same song. Um... I, I like I like that he's never This is the one thing I can say about every Kanye West album when it's come out though. It always is pushing the boundaries of what hip hop can be. Mm-hmm. It always takes it to a place that it hasn't been to. And I I think I really appreciate that whether it's a complete success or not. Like I know a lot of people are split on the album 808s and Heartbreaks. But if it wasn't for that album, a, a lot of people say we wouldn't we wouldn't see the popularity of artists like Kid Cudi and Drake and like Fetty Wap nowadays. Like those kind, the, the 808s was all about feelings, as you know, yeah. and that's what Cudi and Drake and a lot of those guys are about now. And it it wasn't always like that, and that was. That was something Kanye pushed for through that album. Right. And for the record, I think 808s was a brilliant album. I love it, too. In my opinion. Great album. I love it, too. One of his best. Um, speaking of his albums, where... First of all, where would you rank Life of Pablo? If it may be too early for you, because I know you like to process things a lot. <laughs> well, but uh, yeah. where would you put Life of Pablo? And then what would your ranking be for all of his albums? I have a unique ranking system when it comes to Kanye West albums. I I don't know where I would exactly put this yet because, um, first off, it's probably not finished. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. It's it's still in beta, so (laughs) who who knows how it's gonna change before it completely comes out? We might have a whole new slew of songs. I don't know. Um, The way I rank Kanye West albums, though, there is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy at the top. Okay. And then everything else is even. <laughs> oh, really? Everything else is even because it's. I think it's too hard for me because every single album's got, I don't know, just a different meaning to me. 
Um, like that's been the cool thing is like I've grown up with his music and his music's always been around as I've gone through different things and each one like has you know different points of my life in it but my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is without a doubt the best though just in terms of from a production standpoint uh from a lyrical standpoint how it what what the it it was a comeback album too and i think that was a big part of of why everyone really built up hype for the album itself and then when it delivered it it just skyrocketed yeah i mean that's how it is nowadays when something actually uh meets expectations after an immense amount of hype it's like really rare and it's really appreciated and right. i think that's what i feel about the way about it okay and uh, go, go ahead, ahead. Well, and I was just going to say that's interesting because we're going to talk about Deadpool a little bit later, too, I'm <laughs> expecting. This is true. Uh, very soon. Um, I'll wrap it up uh, with with my Kanye uh, album power rankings, if you will. Um, oh, nice. For the first, his best album in my mind, and it always will be, has got to be Graduation for me. Yeah, and I can't blame you for that. Like, really... I, I can't blame you for saying anything. And then right. when you rank the last one at the bottom, I'm going to be like, how can you rank that one at the bottom? <laughs> That's just how it is with his stuff. I guess. Uh, the thing about graduation, and I've said it on my other podcast with Yanni, <laughs> is that I will listen to every single track on graduation and never get tired of it. If it pops up while I'm shuffling, I will 100% listen to it no matter what. Yeah. And I've never had another album that has even come close to that. Yes. Um, Also, also you're about 86 in music years. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Um, I don't know music. So all of these, take these all with a grain of salt because I'm no music expert. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination um but then after that i think i honestly it'd probably be a tie between 808s and uh beautiful dark twisted fantasy at number two yeah uh late registration and college dropout even out pretty similar at Mm -hmm. like that three four five spot or whatever life of pablo would be after that and then jesus is by far my least favorite did you not like Jesus at all? Not at all. Really? There's not a... I listened to it one time, and there was not a single song that I You only listened to enjoyed. it one time? I didn't like it, man. I oh really gosh. didn't. Wow. I, I did not like Jesus. I... Th- it, it, it was... It, well, when it sits beside Life of Pablo now, I think it seems less weird. Yes, it does. Because both of these albums are really weird. They just they go to very extreme places, and again, that's why I think they're uh, the life of Pablo is almost a spiritual successor to Jesus, and it's really connected because Jesus was right before the dude's life changed and he got married and had a kid and everything, and a lot of the album a lot is about like the panics and and freaking out before he has to take this huge plunge in life, and life's never going to be the same for him and everything. And then Life of Pablo is him dealing with all those things he f- was freaking out about. Mm-hmm. Whether it's monogamy or taking care of children and, and stuff like that. And trying to be a good family man. So Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I think that wraps up the Kanye talk for now. Unless uh, any last, uh, <laughs> any parting words about Life of Pablo? Um, the one other thing I'll say is the thing I was most impressed with the album it, I think it showed his ability as a producer more than anything else. I wasn't impressed with him from a lyrical standpoint, but all those features he had in there, he had a ton of features, and I thought all of them were great. Mm-hmm. Like Chance on Chance the Rapper on Ultra Light Beam, Cuddy on Stretch My Hands, Rihanna, uh, just everyone. He he knows how to get the best out of all of his features. It seems like all the time. So yeah, that's my parting words. All right. Sounds good. Um, let's get to the Oscars. Uh, they'll yeah. be coming up. So week and a half, Sunday. right? Is it this Sunday? Yeah, this Sunday, the twenty eighth. Oh man, I need to watch Mad Max so bad. Yeah, you do. You really do. I still <laughs> have not seen it. Um. So let's go. 
we'll we'll go through each category um, and basically pick our winners to this point. Um, neither How many of us are we have doing? Seen all the movies? We will do. Uh, we'll do director. We'll do actor and actress, and we'll do best film. Okay, that's fine. Uh, which are the big the big four, four. in my mind yep. when I uh, think about it. So uh, let's do director first. Let me find the noms. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, okay, so directing. Um, and you would have seen, I believe, three of these, but directing is Adam McKay for Big Short. Yep. Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, the Revenant. George Miller for Mad Max, yeah. George Miller for Mad Max, I should say. Uh, Alejandro, I can't pronounce his last name for The Revenant. <laughs> Lenny Abram, Abrahamson for Room and Abramson, Spotlight, yeah. Tom McCarthy. In my mind, this is The Revenant's to lose. Well, and see, director's always indicative, usually, of best picture. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself, who do you think is going to win Best Picture at the same time? I don't know if Revenant has the legs for it. I know it won the Golden Globes. I get that. But I just don't know if it's an Oscar-worthy... I, I mean, it's Oscar-nominee-worthy, nominee but I don't know if... Can you picture it next to other Oscar-winning movies? Hmm. And when's the last time a director's gone back-to-back? -back? Because... Alejandro won it last year for Birdman, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think The Revenant should win Best Picture. I do think it's... I would... I'm not saying I think it absolutely should win directing, but I would be very at peace with it if it did because the cinematography... In my mind, the cinematography and the directing go hand-in-hand hand a lot, and the cinematography was outstanding in The Revenant. That's true. If you... Man, if you enjoy National Ge Geographic Channel, you loved this movie because there were so many wide-panning shots of nature just for miles whether it was mountains or forests or hills snowy hills and stuff i mean there was a ton of that in this movie and perhaps because of the conditions that they had to do all the filming in that that gives a big consideration to the directing nod absolutely um i think if it's not the revenant winning directing and i think it should be uh, because I guess with The Revenant, the battle scene at the beginning was my favorite part. It yeah. was so well done. Um, and it was really tone-setting, too. Yeah, it, it really set the tone well for the for the rest of the movie. But if The Revenant doesn't win, in my mind, I think it should be Mad Max. Fury. I mean, that's another one. Huge sets, huge shots, huge right. pieces. And here's, here's the reason why. Um, because... I've come to believe that there should be they should add another Oscar category, which is cinematic achievement. Just for um, like doing something awesome. Right. So yeah. like Mad Max it I mean, I've I've seen the movie, it's really good, and I wouldn't necessarily say that it should win Best Picture by any stretch of the imagination. Uh but the things they were able to do with the little amount of CGI that they used is outstanding. I can't praise it enough. There is very little CGI in that movie. The whole movie? The whole movie. I mean, wow. minimal. It's incredible what they were able to do. And the reason I think there should be an extra Oscar, um, another great example would be last year with Boyhood. Because Boyhood... I mean, I saw it. I don't necessarily think it was worthy of getting a Best Picture nom, but the like it was staggering because they shot this movie over an eleven-year period. Yeah, and that that in itself is so much dedication, and that's that is an achievement in itself. So that's I think a, there should be um, an extra. I sh I think there should be another category for cinematic achievement, so that way you could put like Mad Max in there for the minimal CGI they used. I know there's uh, another film that it didn't get a Best Picture nod, but it was called Tangerine, and they shot the whole thing on an iPhone. 
Yeah, I heard about this. I haven't yeah. watched it, but I so heard like about it. So, like, things like that. Or even, like, the fact that Star Wars broke every single box office record imaginable. Like, that's a cinematic achievement in itself. So, like, I think True. that should be an extra category. That's a um, really... I really like that. And you know what? That would separate... Because I think sometimes movies either get nominated or voted Best Picture or have, win some kind of nomination based on based solely on on things like that like one huge incredible stunt that was pulled off yeah or one amazing effect that was used or anything like you mentioned like that yeah. that would help dilute you know people saying there's no way they shouldn't have won, they shouldn't have won that they had that one awesome moment yeah right. i think and that's so, pretty cool yeah so and that ties in to mad max would be my second choice to get the directing because they use that minimal CGI and there isn't a cinematic achievement award. I don't think it should win best picture, but like directing wise with all the little CGI they used, I mean, I I assume most of that goes back to, to the director. So I would not be mad at all if Mad Max won directing. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Uh, who would your choice be for directing? Well, I've seen three out of these five movies. Um, I was really impressed by The the Revenant. Um, I really liked The Big Short, too, and I thought Adam McKay really did a good job of adapting a, a book that, um, from what I heard, in, in a sense, like the movie was, too, the book was a, a kind of a data dump as it told a story. But Adam McKay really put a lot of charm and a lot of fun into a movie that both was a data dump and also in the end was a real downer because of the end result of the movie and and what happened on it based on the true story. Um, But the, the, the movie kept moving so fast that it really never gave you a moment to pause and really consider all that until when the movie wanted you to do that. So I really liked the job Adam McKay did on it. So I, I think I'd put it... And I don't doubt George Miller um, did an amazing job. I don't doubt that Lenny Abramson did an amazing job with Room. That's the other one I really, really still want to see yet, hopefully before Sunday. And you need to. Sunday. Yeah. Um, Braille's just raved about that to me. So I, I think I'd put it between McKay and Alejandro, though. Right. Because um, I don't think I don't think Mad Max will actually will actually get it. But I don't either, unfortunately. But yeah. they would be my second choice if I had to guess. It'd be either Big Short or Revenant winning directing. Cool. So uh, let's go to actress in a leading role. Okay. And I actually haven't seen. I've only seen one of these movies. <laughs> As have I. <laughs> and they're, so, but they're uh, different ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so So you um, saw Room, right? I saw Room with Brie Larson. The noms, by the way, are Kate Blanchett and Carol, Brie Larson in Room, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years, and Cersei. Rosie Ronan? Cersei. Cersei. It's like basically Cersei. almost so basically almost Cersei, like Cersei Lannister. Right. Okay, Ronan in Brooklyn. You've seen Brooklyn. I've seen Room. Yes. Um, and from everything I'm reading, it's Brie Larson is the uh, is going to be yeah. the one who wins I mean, it from everything I've heard. She's basically a lock, and like I am totally fine with that. I've never seen Brie Larson like as a main character in a movie. I think I've seen her. I saw. I watched her in Trainwreck this last summer. And even for a supporting role in just a comedy movie, she just, like, seemed committed. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, owned the role. And I've watched her in a few episodes of Community. And, like, wherever I've seen her, she just knows how to fit into the character in that story. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, all aboard believing all the hype I've heard about her. And I'm to- I'd totally be fine voting for her without even seeing the movie. Because I just, I buy into this woman. I get it. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, Brie Larson is fantastic in Room. Right. I don't need to watch any of these other films to know that she should win this. Uh, yeah. The different emotions that she had to pull off based on the story, and she just pulled them off incredibly. Uh, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine 
any of these other candidates uh, would end up winning actress. So uh, I, I will say I wouldn't be disappointed if uh, CRC Ronan won it. She mm. was pretty incredible in, in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was such a different movie compared to all of these other movies. Like, it's a very low-stakes story. It's not some highly emotional thing. It's just like a nice little story, and she did a really good job in it as well. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, that'll rack, that wraps up actresses. Uh, the category <laughs> I'm least uh, qualified to uh, take a guess at. You um, sexist pig. <laughs> sure, if you uh, want to go like that. Um, actor in a leading role, Bran Cranston Trumbo. Matt Damon for the, Matt Damon for The Martian, Leo for The Revenant, Fastbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. I feel like Leo has this thing wrapped up. I'm a sexist pig as well because I've seen all five of those actors in the <laughs> movies and their yeah. respective movies. I've actually um, only seen two of these. I've only seen The Martian and The Revenant, so enlighten me. Well, I mean, I, I definitely think... If there's one thing I'm confident in The Revenant winning, I think it's best actor. See, I agree well, with you on that one. Well, actually, see, I was really impressed with Tom Hardy in a lead actor role, though, too. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he won best supporting actor. It seems like everyone is riding the Sylvester Stallone bus when it comes That's to true. supporting role. That's um, true. Even though, I mean, I'll put it like this. I can't imagine in my mind that Christian Bale or that uh Stallone had a better performance than Christian Bale and Tom Hardy yeah I can't imagine that in my mind but it seems like they're just riding this rocky train to the very end so I think Stallone will win it even though I'm not sure he deserves it and granted I haven't seen Creed but I can't imagine he did better than Bale or Tom Hardy well I'm not gonna say I can't imagine I think I think what this movie probably did for him, I think the guy really committed to this. Mm-hmm. Because this is a continuation of this story that he's had a huge part in for decades now. Um, and I think the rejuvenation factor, the reviving of his career through this movie, is uh, something a lot of people took intrigue in. So I, I think I... I'd understand where the hype's coming from a little bit. I was just saying I wouldn't be surprised if Hardy won it, right, though, right, because right. I could listen to him talk about stories that I can't understand in that accent all day long <laughs> for The Revenant. I, don't, I wouldn't know what you were saying, but I would, I'd just keep listening. It was yeah. smooth like molasses. It was but great. anyway, going back to these, these actors, every one of these movies were really good in a... Like it's the Oscars, and every one of these actors were really good in it. I was really impressed by Cranston, how much I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hadn't watched anything by him since Breaking Bad, but he was r- really compelling in a different kind of way. Uh, Matt Damon was charming. Fastbender was really good. Um, Redmayne uh, probably had the most difficult role of, of pulling off a, a transgender person. Mm-hmm. and uh, he was, I mean, he excelled in it. It's, and usually when you play those kinds of roles, I feel like sometimes you're a lock to win the Oscar, but considering the other candidates this year, I don't think Redmayne would win that. Um, what, you going to say something? Uh, I mean, I was just going to say uh, it's not very often actor in a lead role ends up winning two years in a row. That's true. Um, and Redmayne, he won last year for Stephen Hawking, so That's I don't true. think he'll be uh, taking it home this year. But. I gotta, I gotta mention that that guy has taken some really bold roles lately. Right. I mean, now he's doing Fantastic Beasts, revitalizing yeah, the Harry Potter franchise. That's probably the most normal role he's gonna take in those yeah. three movies. He's right. he's he's at least uh, a basic male person. That's, you know, <laughs> either true. doesn't have a crippling disease and is in a wheelchair or um, has identity issues. It's kind of, it's yeah. kind of crazy. He's a, I he's mean, a bold he just, actor. I really appreciate what he does. I mean, all he does is he carries around a briefcase full of magical am- animals, so that's not too weird. <laughs> well, you don't know what else he's going to do in this, but yeah, we'll see. I don't. I really um, don't. Fastbender really encapsulates... I mean, the whole movie encapsulates really what Jobs and Apple is about. 
the the showmanship of products and stuff and um while i don't think it's gonna win anything that was also a really good one but dicaprio is definitely the favorite and i don't even think it's one of his best performances but it's the best performance out of these agreed uh, and the dedication <laughs> that he went through, like giving himself frostbite. And, yep, and sleeping uh, inside of a dead horse. And eating raw bison meat. Bison liver, yep. I feel like, if nothing else, this is the Academy saying, okay, Leo, we get it. You're trying really hard for this Oscar. Here it is already. <laughs> <laughs> You've well, deserved it before. I uh, felt, so I felt like he was... Award. I felt like he was on that kind of campaign when he was shoving candles up his butt in Wolf of Wall Street. It was the same kind of thing. It's like, look what I'm doing to win one of these. Just give it to me already. And it's and in a way, it's like kind of sad. You're like putting yourself through that stuff just to get this dumb golden statue. But at the same time, it's like the guys earned it. Why can't we just give him one? I yeah, don't know just if give there's him one already. I don't know if there's some kind of politics with the academy between between them and him or or what, but. It's gotten ridiculous, and I think I think everyone's just like sick of like the like jokes or the internet memes that come with it, or just mm-hmm. the running gag itself. Yeah, about him not having one. If he doesn't win this year, I feel like there's there's some sort of conspiracy with the Academy that needs to be investigated. Maybe Leo's secretly black. Maybe he is. <laughs> Oscar hashtag Oscars are white. Um, <laughs> Something like that. Um, last see. thing I'll say about actor in a lead role. Uh, I I don't know Oscar history that well, but it seems to me like uh, actor in a lead role, if your movie isn't nominated for Best Picture, you're likely not to win. Yeah. Which leaves DiCaprio and The Revenant and Matt Damon in The Martian mm-hmm. and... Clearly, DiCaprio had the better True. performance. I mean, Matt Damon was great in The Martian, um, but DiCaprio, I feel like he's got it locked up. Damon had a lot more um, chance to have a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo obviously put him through a lot, put himself through a lot, and I have to say there is more character in The Martian. I I wasn't really emo- I didn't really ever feel emotionally invested in the story of the Revenant that much. Um, you you and me talked about this a little bit yesterday. There's my Phil Sims moment. Um, like it's it left us feeling just like anxious the whole time. From the opening scene where we're watching guys get arrows shot through their heads and stuff, and you, you it always felt tense. And Leo played like twelve times. Yeah, Leo played that really well too. Um, but there was never really—I never was like, "Oh, his poor boy," or "Oh, his poor you know woman who died" and stuff like that. I never um, was emotionally tied to like his losses or anything. I was more astounded by him crawling out of his grave after getting his spine, <laughs> from what it looked like, ripped <laughs> out by a bear twice. And, yeah. That kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So, anyways, Leo, uh, he's going to win actor in a lead role. I'm very confident of that. I just want this to be over. Yeah. I want it to be over so we can stop, like, just wanting it to happen every year. Yeah, I agree. So we can actually focus and maybe talk about who else could win one, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so best picture. Yeah. Um. I, if it was my award to give away, if it was the Chase Gerber Academy Awards, I would give this award to either Room or Spotlight. Mm. If I had a choice. Who? But I think it is going to go to either The Revenant or The Big Short. Oh, you think my movie's going to get it? I think I think it's either The Revenant or The Big Short, but I think Room and Spotlight are the two best movies. I, that I've I mean, watched. I liked all these movies, obviously. I'm saying that thing again. All the movies are good. Yeah, um, they all. <laughs> shut up, Ben. Gosh. Except Bridge of Spies. <laughs> uh, we, we, you, need to, you need to mention your Tom Hanks bias by the end of this, this uh, episode. <laughs> Listen, okay, I'll, I'll mention yeah, it Yeah, let's right just now. talk we about it right now. Yeah. Um, 
I feel like I've watched the Tom Hanks movie where Tom Hanks basically drags a movie that otherwise would be mediocre to an Oscar nomination. I've seen that movie like 800 times. I'm tired of seeing that movie. I don't even want to watch that movie. Um, And from what I've heard from people who watch and critique films whom I trust very much, uh, they said it absolutely does not deserve a Best Picture nom. So... I have no interest in seeing Bridge of Spies. If you condemn me for that, I'm sorry, but I don't care that Tom <laughs> Hanks dragged another mediocre movie to an Oscar, Oscar nomination. First off, you are immensely underrating Tom Hanks. And I'm Tom not Hanks saying he's a ability. bad actor. He's won, he's won a bunch of Oscars. Er, Oscars. He's a great actor. Uh, I know he won lead actor uh two years in a row at some point in time he's a great yeah. actor How but i'm over happen? tom hanks i'm out on tom hanks oh man i i do feel like this is one of those movies where they saw oh tom hanks stars in it oh steven spielberg directed this oh this has got to be oscar worthy right nomination yeah i mean that's that's an automatic oscar nomination at this point I do, I do agree from, from that standpoint. Um, going back to the movies, though, now. Yes, back to the movies. If I had the award to give, I think I would give it to The Big Short. Hmm. See, um, this is where we disagree, because I wasn't, like, extremely fond of The Big Short. I thought it was good. Yeah. But I like I don't think I didn't think it was anything like uh, like groundbreaking, or I, I didn't think it was best picture um, worthy of winning that award. It felt to me like it was like they tried to take this realistic story and like Wolf of Wall Street it with that kind of tone and everything, like the the legal Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I actually felt that way at one point through the movie. But the thing was, I didn't feel like that took away from it, probably in the way you think it does. Like, I thought that, I'm like, oh, this is a kind of a Wolf of Wall Street moment, and then I'm like, I don't care, though. I'm all right with it. I don't feel like it was, like, stealing from it. It was it was close to the same subject matter as far as, like, selling and trading stocks and bonds and that kind of general thing. But I loved the charm of the movie at the same time while it was, again, like Spotlight, basically a, a data dump movie where information seemed to be being fed to you in every scene. But it was wildly entertaining. I loved the inclusion of random celebrities that would come in and, and uh, explain to me what a BDO is and that kind of thing. Um, it was... I, I really had the most fun with it. And maybe it's because I'm an accountant and I have my head in the financial world all the time too. But that, that seemed really appealing to me. But it also, I was really interested in like, this is, you know, this was the reason why the whole market crashed back in 08 and why our economy so effed up now. It, it, was, it was a fun hindsight movie. Mm-hmm. I, regarding these celebrities explaining <laughs> the CDOs and yeah. all these different concepts... I get what they were doing, like, I thought... Made it more interesting when I someone it was, was explaining it. Yeah. yeah, but here's the thing, it would have made it, it would have worked for me a lot more if what they were explaining would have actually made sense to me. None of what they explained makes sense to me, which I'm sure it made sense to you because you're an accounting guy, and so you know this stuff, but... So much of it just went way over my head. Really? Um, it didn't, like, I got I thought the general they dumbed concept. It down. It, I got the general concept of it, but I'm trying to think of how to word it. Like, it gave me the general concept, but it was so hard for me to take, like, the the explanation of blackjack and then apply this to stocks. Like, I didn't know where they lined up. Was it like the first season of the wire where you got about half of it and that got you through the other half? Um, 
Yeah, maybe a little okay. bit. Like you were just like barely keeping up. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing. <laughs> At the end of it, I, I, for some reason, like just the tone of it, I thought like they all ended up losing the money they invested, yeah. which threw me off because I'm like, wait, no, this is a movie about guys who got rich off of the economic downturn. <laughs> um, before I realized, oh, this is they're meaning to do this. They actually did make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about the big short. I really wish they would have had more of Christian Bale in it. I loved his character. Yeah, he was, he, he kind of was, he kind of floated around the main story. He was, he wasn't the main story, but he floated around it the whole right. time. Well, and that's kind of the point of the movie. Like there wasn't one main character because it was a, it was like all was these different group groups of, these of people. people. Yeah who uh, made profits off of this. And it, it kind of bumped me out a little bit too because none of these like different guys who who made all this money like interacted with each other at almost any point in time like it it would have been I would have liked to see like that their stories were intertwined somehow, which I know real like in real life they weren't, which makes it hard to portray on film, but uh I just would have been more compelled by it. I mean, films that are based on true stories, I mean, they always, to an extent, do take creative, uh, what do I want to call it, creative license with it and, mm-hmm. and change things up. And, and that could have been one of the things they did, I guess. But I don't know if that would have made the story more interesting, necessarily. But I, I don't know. I, I think... Um, I think the lack of connection like that might have left it, yeah, I mean, jarring for some people like you. I, I really wasn't affected by it because I thought they were all connected through investing and doing the same thing, mm-hmm. betting against the, the housing market. Right. Again, I feel like I would just I was more connected into this movie than you were probably. Yeah, agreed. Uh, That's I what it comes say... down to. The performances, I thought they were all great. Uh, the headline guys, which was Bale, Carell, Gosling, and Pitt, I thought they were all great in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I will give the movie props for um, pointing out how they, um, uh, like, Hollywoodified this film, how, like, the guys find, like, um, Steve Carell, or not Steve Carell's. Was it Steve Carell and his group, like, their little their little booklet in the lobby of the one bank or whatever, and then they turn to the camera like, no, we didn't find this just sitting in oh, the, the bank. yeah. You mean they, like, break the fourth wall? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, like, I, I like, like how they, how they acknowledged, like, yeah, this isn't how we it happened. We changed this, but that's okay. Yeah, that, that is cool. I mean, and then when they, again, that's artists creating take, or t- creating, or taking creative license. Yeah. But at the same time, acknowledging, well, this isn't actually how it happened, but for the sake of the story in this movie, that's how we're going to do it. Right. I like that. I did appreciate that. Um, Anyways, back to uh, Best Picture. Big Short, see, for me, I like Spotlight better than Big Short, personally. Um, I I, I like, like, it was much more serious, not as much goofing around, and so... Harder, harder, harder to be serious with the, with the whole uh, molestation and sexual <laughs> assault. Yeah. yeah. Plus, the soundtrack for Spotlight, I thought, was incredible. So, um, I liked Spotlight better, personally. If I had to pick, like I said, I would choose Room or Spotlight, but I think it'll be Revenant or Big Short. Let me ask you this about Spotlight. Well, well let me say this, because this is what I felt about it. I thought it was an interesting real-life story, like the big short. But who was standout in that? See, I don't think it was necessarily anyone had to be standout because, like, no one really was standout. But, like, as an ensemble, I think they just worked super well together. Uh, See, I, I see what you're saying, but, like, I myself, I just, I don't buy that. Yeah, fair enough. I, I feel like it, in order to be a, an excellent movie that... I'm not saying it shouldn't be nominated either, but in order to be like a standout film that's like Oscar-worthy, I feel like you've got to have a, a performance that makes you go, wow, or, you know, makes uh, moves I mean, you. I don't think it's completely necessary. Um, I was going to say something about Spotlight, and I just now forgot it. What was I going to say? Hmm. 
I'll say this in the meantime, uh, the big short also gets a nod for me for confirming that Ryan Gosling, the beautiful Ryan Gosling, can just pull off any freaking haircut that he wants to. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> I remember what I was going to say about Spotlight now. Um, okay. Spotlight was the movie that, like, throughout the course of watching the film, I had the most emotional investment in. Okay. Is what I'll say. And I yeah, think that's when, what captured it for me. And when a film moves you, it moves you. And sometimes right. you can't explain why a specific one does or doesn't. And yeah, I get that. Right. And then the other one, which I would want to pick, would be Room. Also, emotional investment. It just made my heart like melt eight different times. I heard the kid is like the star of that movie. He is like everything is from his point of view. Yeah. That's what Braley told me. Which is incredible because you couldn't do that with most movies, um, having a kid being your main character. But oh, no. They pulled it off brilliantly. And like I said, it pulls at your emotions so many different times. Yeah. Uh, because you th- you kind of think that you get what kind of movie it is, and then about midway through it kind of changes. And with the the type of genre that they kind of are portraying in the film, they take a new spin on it in the second half of the yeah. film. And yeah. it's uh and yeah, they pulled it off greatly, so I would not be mad at all if that one won. Well, you sold me on that and I might watch that tonight yet. You need to watch it. I still might I still might do that. You I definitely need, I... should. Um <laughs> we're about to run out of time here. I got about seven minutes before I get kicked out of the library. So let's touch on Deadpool real quick. Okay. Yes. Um, fantastic film. I kind of want it to be nominated for next year's Oscars as a best <laughs> film. <laughs> I, I mean, I in It'd the past year, to... I've had only two movie-going experiences in the theater that were as fun as Deadpool, and that was Fast 7 in Star Wars. Like, it was just so much fun. Yeah, it was. It was really fun the whole time. Let me ask you this. Did you walk away from that movie, like, thinking or talking about the action in it at all? No. Neither did I. Like, the action wasn't bad or anything, but there wasn't anything, like, stand out. There was, there was the scene on the bridge, which, if, you've, if you pay attention to trailers or commercials at all, you've probably seen a good amount of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't... That wasn't what I was talking about. I was talking about all the one-liners and all the, like funny things that happened in that movie. Yeah. And I found that really refreshing from, again, a comic book slash superhero movie. That was overly serious. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you what my favorite part of the movie is. My favorite part (laughs) of the movie is the numerous times that they take shots at other superhero film franchises. That was my favorite part. Uh, they make fun of Green Lantern a few times. They make yes. so many shots at X-Men. Um, <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite being that they're going to take him back to the Academy and uh, Deadpool's like, oh, to which Professor X? Is it the Stuart one or the McAvoy one? Yes. It's so hard to confuse those timelines. <laughs> yes. I, that was one of my favorite moments, too. I love that. That was, yeah. There's just, like, so many little, like, things. And I'm sure, like... We didn't catch all of them mm-hmm. by any means. I'm sure there's a ton we missed. And I think that's why the movie also has a rewatchability to it. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really funny. Definitely. And um, <laughs> just another one that I want to make note of, and now yeah. I forget it off the uh, top of my head. Oh, they uh, they make two shots at the Wolverine movie that Ryan Reynolds was in where he yes. plays Deadpool. Uh, they make a comment about his don't sew his mouth shut. He'd hate yep. that. Yeah. And then they have the little uh, Deadpool figurine from the Wolverine that. The weird shirtless, bald, gross. Did you ever watch that movie? I did, and I thought it was very, very, very average. I okay, so I watched Deadpool the movie. I had never watched that Wolverine movie, and then I went back and watched all that guy's scenes in that Wolverine movie as quote-unquote Wade Wilson slash Deadpool. What in God's name were they thinking when they made him that way? I have no idea. That was so weird. It was terrible. Oh, God. It was, it was messed up. It was very bad. Let me, I want to ask you this, too. 
You know how Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man? Like, he makes Iron Man. You yeah. think Iron Man, and you have Robert Downey Jr.'s face in mm-hmm. your head. Is that the exact same way for Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool? Oh, absolutely. There's like, not a better actor they could have cast as Deadpool for it that might attitude be, and everything. It might be even more of the case. It might be. I mean, it's... Like, I just, literally... He's I, perfect. I literally... And it's the same way with... with Downey Jr. I see him in like interviews right now when he's like talking about the movie or he's just like being himself and I'm like oh Deadpool cool like that's just like he's the character he lives as the character and it's awesome I really like that it was ridiculously fun watching that movie Uh, just the way that they took Deadpool and his attitude and his like vulgar and all of his you know the comedic elements and just blended it into the entire film, even and, the opening credits. Yeah, and the fourth wall breaking. Oh my god, the opening credits where there's no <laughs> names to the credits. It's just some douchebag and some hot chick and like that kind of stuff. An it's overpaid just, tool. <laughs> it's just like the movie was like tailored to like people like you and me. It just felt tailored to. We know exactly what you want to laugh at and what you're going to be entertained at, so we put all of that in this movie. Right. And I don't feel like we're alone in that. I feel... So you and me, we're both constant browsers of a website called Reddit. Mm-hmm. And it's already a known fact that in society, it's very, there's very few times the majority of people will agree on something and like something together. Mm-hmm. It's even more rare that Reddit will do that. And Reddit's been doing nothing but raving about the potential of a Deadpool movie for like two years. And if you went through and like read their comments and read users' review on it and stuff, everyone loved it. Yeah. That's it was great. That's so rare. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Fantastic. I can't praise it enough. Uh,. I hope they make a sequel because I want to yeah. see more of this Ryan Reynolds stuff. Did you stay till the end credits at, after yeah. the end? Um, I stayed until Shoop came on and then we bounced out of there. Oh, so you is didn't. There, is there a scene after the credits that I need to? There's uh, a scene after the credits and it's tied. It's it's a it's a mockery of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And it, <laughs> oh my God, it's hilarious. It's uh. just. Just a I'll beautiful to, movie. Uh, I'll have to check that out one way or another. Yes, definitely. Okay. Go YouTube. You'll have but, you'll find it yeah. on there. Go see Deadpool. All right, Ben. I'm all out of time here. I'm about to get kicked out of the library, so okay. we're going to have to call it a day. Great podcast. Right. Uh, talk to you again soon. See you, buddy. Yep, see you.